This episode of Bradley's House Podcast is brought to you in part by our friends at HeyGoodFarms.com. HeyGood Farms' goal has always been to provide hemp products that improve your quality of life. And their process is really the difference maker. HeyGood Farms handles your product from the dirt all the way to delivery. This ensures a top quality product every time. And all their hemp comes from the same process, from the same facility, ensuring consistency in every order. Check out HeyGoodFarms.com. That's H-A-Y-G-O-O-D-F-A-R-M-S.com. And check out their incredible line of gummies, cartridges, oils, skincare, capsules, and even a line of products for our furry friends in the pet care section. The point of using CBD is to make sure that you're not putting bad stuff into your body. So check out HeyGoodFarms.com. You can see their lab results, reviews, and read more about their process and what makes HeyGoodFarms.com the leader in the CBD and hemp industry. We thank Hey Good Farms for sponsoring this podcast and working with the Knoll Family Foundation in getting Bradley's house open to help us in our war against opioids. Hi, this is Anna from Canada, and you're listening to the Bradley's House Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back. Come on in, make yourself at home as you should when you're a guest in Bradley's house. I am your co-host, Jared Orr. She is the executive director of the Knoll Family Foundation and our host, Ms. Kelly Knoll. Kelly, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jared. How are you? Um, I'm, I'm good, Kelly. I'm good. I, uh, I went to the store early this morning. I bought all of the things that are a necessity for spring cleaning. So and then who's going to do that spring cleaning? Fuck. It's the only part I haven't figured <laughs> out yet, but I got all of the stuff is what I'm saying. So, right. Like I'm, you know, it's got the, the easy part done. <laughs> the intentions were that, listen, I walked in, I grabbed the cart, like a boss. I'm sponging. I'm like, this cleaner foams up. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. I need that one. Give me that. So like, um, now I've got like all these extra bags in my house. Uh, filled with the cleaning products that I will I will probably use, but I just it didn't feel probably. right doing that before we recorded. So no, I'm so glad you waited. That was that was definitely a good move because now you have something to look forward to. It's like my treat. It's like the dessert <laughs> after an incredible dinner. I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So I can tell by the enthusiasm in your voice. <laughs> But before that, what I'm looking forward to, of course, is another episode of Bradley's House Podcast. Kelly, we've been having some amazing episodes. We've been getting some great feedback. So many people have been posting and sharing. I certainly appreciate that. And I don't think that today will be any different. Once again, Kelly, you've lined up another amazing, uh, exciting guest for us to all get to know. Who is our guest today in Bradley's House? Today, I'm super excited to have on someone who's not just a friend, but also 
has a big part of the Knoll Family Foundation history that many people may not know about, probably have heard me talk about, but didn't realize that this was the man responsible for that. So today we have with us my good friend and the executive director of Aspire in San Luis Obispo. He's also the co-owner of From War to Peace, which does a great Bradley's Wave piece and donates a portion of the proceeds to the foundation. Um, so anyway, we'll, we'll let everybody know how to find all that stuff in a minute. But first, let's welcome Tom Buckley to the show. Tom, thank you so much for being on. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Jarrett. Thank you for having me. We are very excited. Um, as I mentioned, and let's just get this out of the way, when we first started the Knoll Family Foundation in July of 2017, we really had no idea what we were going to do, how we were going to get the message out, um, even you know how we were going to get the house open. None of it. It was just, you know what, let's just get started and see where it goes. And one of the first people to reach out was you. And you were a Sublime fan. We didn't know each other. And you sent me a message and said, hey, I'm putting together this community event in Orange County for um, opioid awareness. And would you, we'd love to have you come and be a part of it. I think you asked if I wanted to speak or something. And I'm like, no, no, you don't want me. You want my dad for sure. <laughs> that was my way of, of subtly getting out of it. So I think we did, right? We had, we had my dad speak and um, I think even Todd spoke. Is that right? Am I remembering this correctly? Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was an amazing event. I appreciate you so much for even responding to me. I think I had to slide into your DMs to get your attention there. And uh, <laughs> that's pathetic. <laughs> I know. I know. How it all but we, we got, I got a response no. and, uh, and it was, it was great. You know, you guys came and uh, met with us over at, it was the company Pacific Solstice, I believe, mm -hmm. where we were doing a behavioral health services out in Orange County. And yes. you met with us and we found out what your mission was and went and brought it to the community. And man, your dad was amazing that night. Wasn't he fantastic? That was, it was a lot of fun. And for us as a foundation, it was really validating because as I mentioned, it was the first like thing, like event that we actually did. And so it was kind of scary. I thought, what are we going to do? What are we going to talk about? What are we going to say? But um, it was a real, for, for us, a launching off point. And so I will always be grateful to you, Tom, for, for making that happen. You know, I, uh, I, well, I, thank you. And I'm grateful that you guys were a part of it. I remember when we had our business strategy meeting at Pacific Solstice on how we were going to outreach to the community. And everyone had these ideas to market that were really contrived and everyone was doing it and it was watered down. And um, the concept for us was let's not do that. Let's do something different. Let's provide free services to the community for the day. And so we got all these amazing organizations to come out that day. We had a taco guy that was giving out free tacos, people doing HIV testing, hep C testing, providing, uh, doing a needle exchange, providing Narcan and Narcan trainings, signing people up for, for groups and services. And then we also had the forum where we got to speak about um, Bradley's house and your dad spoke about losing Brad and it was just so powerful. The whole, the whole day was so powerful and showed me that there's different ways that we can promote a business and help the community at the same time. Absolutely. And it was really well attended and so many people were grateful for the event and, um, you know, some who were struggling with addiction, some who had had 
kids that were struggling or friends or family members uh, or had lost somebody. It was a really, really powerful event. You did a great job with that. So do you still work in the recovery industry or are you more on the mental health side? Yeah, I, I work now as the executive director at uh, Aspire Counseling Service in San Luis Obispo. And we provide both mental health and addiction treatment services for uh, folks out here in this community. That's fantastic. That's that's quite um, a calling, I think, to be able to work in that field and and help people out. And you've been doing it for so long. Uh, you're definitely to be commended for that. And you're a musician also, which I thought was so cool when I found that out. A very talented musician, in fact. Do you still play very often? You know, not as much as I would like to, um, but I still get out with my friends and make music. And it's definitely my, uh, the way that I find inner peace and deal with the stress of work and, and everything else. So, um, but I, I miss the stage. I miss performing. That's for sure. I'll bet. Well, I remember the first time I heard your music and I thought, oh, I'm probably going to have to be like, oh, it's so good and not really mean it. But I was so surprised. It was very good. You know, a lot of people be like, hey, listen to my song. And, um, you know, it, they're, they're not always, um, well, anyway, they're not always as enjoyable to listen to as you were. <laughs> I remember you telling me that and you always yeah. had the most gr- gracious responses to, to those situations. And that may, made me gulp when I heard that, like, oh, God, now I don't want to send her my music. But, <laughs> but you did. Well, you know, Go ahead. Oh, I, your brother was such an influence um, mm. when I was a young man growing up in San Luis Obispo. I was um, providing the good students of Cal Poly with the uh, with their 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 cannabis, their cannabis <laughs> needs. Nice and so, uh huh, yeah. And uh, I was over at a frat party when I was about fifteen years old or sixteen years old, and. They, the guys were nice enough to invite me in after I sold them uh, some some swag weed. And, uh, <laughs> and all of a sudden, there was this band playing in this smoke-filled room that was totally packed of, of college kids and a sound that I had never heard before and immediately resonated with. And, uh, and it was your brother in Sublime. Mm. Wow. And, you know, it changed the way that I heard music and played music forever now you for already- all of our for all of our younger listeners who aren't familiar uh swag weed is a thing <laughs> back in the day you used to have to pluck seeds out of your dirty brown weed and after you plucked out all the seeds and the stems maybe you had some some weed left so uh just you know for our younger viewers who or listeners who may not be familiar continue very yeah. educational of you thank you Jerry. We do. We had to pull the seeds out by candlelight. It was that, that long ago, actually. <laughs> In the snow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That so were you right. already yeah. playing music of your own at that point, or were you just getting started? Yeah, no, I was, uh, I was a young, fat, emotional kid that started writing poetry and singing songs at, like, six, in sixth grade. Wow. And, uh, yeah. And, um, but, man, everything really changed once I... I was always a fan of oldies and classics, and I was a fan of Bob Marley and mm. Peter Tosh and all the older um, roots reggae guys, but I'd never even had the concept of blending genres. And boy, did that that uh, just change the way that I that I wanted to play music at that point. 
That's if there fantastic. wasn't a better representation of growing up in California on the coast than Bradley yeah. Sublime, I don't, I don't know what is. Yeah, they did definitely embody that vibe. And what's the name of your band? Uh, the band that I played in Orange County in LA for years was called Pacific Coast High. Nice. So that's a, a rock, reggae, hip hop group. And my brother actually, um, who's very talented, was the DJ in that in that band. Oh, that's cool! I didn't know that. My brother uh, came off tour. He was on tour with Cat Williams as an opening DJ for uh, a couple wow. of years, and came and lived with me. And we did. We started Pacific Coast High and had a lot of fun playing all the clubs and venues in Southern California. Oh, I'll bet. And then how did you get into working in the recovery industry? Oh boy. Um, so I had kids at a young age and, um, from a one night stand twins. Twin that's boys. how lucky I am. Yep. That's right. <laughs> Wonderful young men, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, I'm very I feel proud. like this is another service announcement time here, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll let you continue. Yeah, oh absolutely. No, I, could, I could tell you stories that would make people put a condom on just listening to this, you know? Um, anyway, I digress. So I had kids <laughs> at a young age and it helped me realize quickly that I needed to get my shit together and I did not want to pass on to them the same that was passed on to me mm. the buckley buckley's have a long line of of addiction we have uh in our family crest we have a whiskey bottle and a meth pipe <laughs> i believe and um <laughs> and so are we cousins <laughs> i told you jared i knew it i could just tell just from listening to your <laughs> past uh past episodes Oh uh, I'll I'll see you at the picnic, brother. This yeah. this this summer reunion. I'm I'm bringing the potato salad. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. So, yeah, having having the kids at a young age forced me to make some hard decisions and to get my shit together. Yeah. Um and just like everyone that gets their shit together, what do they want to do immediately? Jump right into helping other people before they're ready and have mm. more boundaries. Mm. And so that's that's what I did and have been doing for the last 16 years. Um, my first job, I was driving kids from, I pick them up from school and take them to, uh, their back to their recovery home where they were there for addiction issues. And, uh, and that place is still there today and does a lot of good work. So that nice. I really cut, cut my teeth at that place. And that was where I decided, okay, I want to do this for a career and went back to school and pursued social work and drug and alcohol counseling. Fantastic. And when you were a musician, um, did you see a lot of the challenges with drug use um, or, you know, some of the struggles that people go through that are specific to the music industry? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, have such crippling stage fright. I threw up six times before doing this call. Um, no, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But I do have such crippling stage fright that using and being intoxicated and, you know, being messed up was how I was able to perform. And so it was so ingrained into my mm. creative, you know, uh, system. Uh, 
And I saw that with all of my musicians. I actually had to take a long break from music when I was starting out in recovery and and therapy and kind of working through my issues until I was strong enough to be around it. Um, But yeah, yeah, I saw a lot of people that did the same thing and it was, and it's encouraged, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it is. You know, it's interesting. Most people would never think that someone who is a musician on stage deals with stage fright. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the best, you know, musicians I know or, or entertainers I know deal with it. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the best tools I've ever been told is if you can keep telling your brain that you're excited instead of nervous, that there's a little bit Uh, of a brain hack you can do there to at least get you up there. And then once, once we get started, we all become the hams that we're born to be. (laughs) It's true. It does help to frame it differently so that you associate that feeling with, with excitement as opposed to fear. huh? Right. Yeah. Wow. So at what point did you, decide that you needed to change your ways um my kids were about two mm-hmm. and i w- i had been struggling for the last two years since they were born um mm. you know saying i was going to quit and then not and saying i was going to quit and then not and starting uh, you know a road of positive um goals and then quickly shifting gears and thinking I was going to be the next big uh, Scarface or drug king kingpin mm. um, and then you know I, I had this moment I it's a it's a strange moment but I was at a fork in the road a literal fork in the road I was in this little beat up pickup truck I had and I had come to a, a, the end of this road where I either was going to go left or right and something hit me like this is my my fork in the road and I need to make wow. a decision now. And, and if I was going to keep doing what I was going to do, I didn't want to be around my kids and, and poison them. Mm. And, um, and I decided to go the other way and it was one of the hardest, but best decisions in my life. And that led me to, uh, finding the right therapist and starting to work on my trauma, which I mm. didn't even really, you know, at that point was, didn't even really realize that it existed. Yeah, I think so many of us use substances to mask the trauma. And so when we do it for so long, it just becomes a coping mechanism that we almost don't even realize that that's why we started doing those things or that's, you know, why we started using. And so um, I'm glad you brought that up because I do think we all have some sort of trauma in our past. And it's important to deal with that honestly and openly. And it's tough. That's the hardest thing, but so many people in recovery, and I say this all the time, I have so much respect for because they do face that stuff and deal with the stuff that so many people will just, you know, stuff and and ignore um, sometimes their whole lives, you know? So it's, I think it's very cool that, that as part of the recovery process, so many people get in touch with those issues and, and face them head on. It takes a lot of courage. I agree. And you said it perfectly. And so many folks just are walking around in autopilot and don't realize that they're why they're suffering, you mm, know, um, exactly. and are doing anything they can to numb the pain. Yeah. Yeah. And but, we all have it. And I think that's. 
Go ahead. Sorry, I was I was just going to say when you grow up in chaos, then that becomes normal. When you grow up around yes. tra- traumatic events, or, or you know, that becomes your normal. So you don't even realize until you learn a new normal that that was wrong or that mm. was traumatic. Indeed, and it it's helpful to have a third party that can sometimes illuminate that stuff for you. You know, that you may yeah. not even realize was was unhealthy. So what, I, what, go ahead. Oh, I would just say, I hear uh, so much in my, in my person or my uh, professional work where people end up around 18 years old, maybe going to college or maybe moving out of their house and, and living with another person and realizing, wait, your family doesn't uh, <laughs> throw, throw bottles at your head to wake you up in the morning. You're, you know, your family doesn't pass the meth pipe at the funeral, you know, you're, How strange. You know so, yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, Aunt Jenny. (laughs) (laughs) So people who are struggling and um, don't know where to start, like I, I hear from so many people like, okay, I'm ready to do something. You know, what do I do? Or how do I get help? Or um, sometimes it's just taking that very first step. That's the hardest, you know, and then once you get on a path, once you start moving in a positive direction, then, you know, a lot of times things will fall into place or, or it makes it easier to know where to go for go next. But, but taking that first step can be so difficult sometimes. What do you think is, is the most helpful or is there something that you can recommend to people that are listening that, that are struggling right now that have realized that they're caught in, in some negative habits that they need to change? Um, but they're not sure how to do that. Mm. Yeah, you, you, again, that was perfectly said. And I think that your, the answer was in what you just said, which is just taking a step, mm. you know, yeah. um, because that first step is the scariest because it's in mm-hmm. the dark. Right. Ooh, and, good point. But once you finally start to illuminate your path, then man, it becomes easier and that becomes your new normal and you start to create a new routine and you start to rewire the brain to healthier uh, ways of coping. And, um, you know, so it's really just that first ripping the bandaid and, and, and getting to action and, yeah. and giving yourself some grace and some love and some encouragement because you're going to fall and you're going to, mm-hmm. you're going to slip and you're going to try to go backwards because that's what you're used to. And that's mm-hmm. homeostasis for you. And so your world is going to, magnetically pull you back to that until you re rewire. Mm-hmm. I love what you said too, about giving yourself grace. I think a lot of times we're so hard on ourselves and the people around us, if we've messed up enough are, you know, hard on us too. And so it's really easy to just think, you know, oh, I'm a piece of shit. What's the point, you know, mm. but especially when you, when you, you know, struggle and relapse and that kind of thing. But I think, really, like you said, giving yourself grace and giving other people grace who are also going through it is such a huge part of it. Not being so hard on yourself. Yeah. Oh, and you know, you you think about the way that we talk to ourselves and how that impacts Mm. us and how long we have been, or maybe whose voice that is. Maybe it's not even our voice. Maybe it's a voice we heard growing up as a kid, but those words really matter. Yeah. Um, and, and And our thoughts we we often distort our thoughts and have these thought distortions that tells us, oh, no one cares about you. No one loves you. You're a piece of shit. It's useless. Why even try? 
Mm. And and learning to identify those thought distortions and then reframe them to something more useful um, is a is probably one of the most one of the, one of the biggest components of m- me working through what I needed to work through. Absolutely, and also overcoming the shame that goes along with addiction. So often, mm. you know, when you when you feel like you have really fucked up and which, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of times is, is part of the addiction process, then you, you feel like you need to run from that. And, um, and the guilt and the shame, I think can be so powerful, but realizing that all of that, when you're moving in a positive direction, all of that just becomes a part of who you are and, and makes you stronger. While we're talking, I, I recorded my bedroom, the super, you know, high, <laughs> high quality hmm. operation we got going on here. But anyway, so I'm, I'm looking right now at something that, um, I did with my therapist about a year ago. She brought a couple of, um, like ceramic bowls and a hammer and we smashed them with a hammer and just so that they were in big chunks and then painted each of the pieces and glued the bowl back together. And so I've got mm-hmm. this bowl that's got, it's like a patchwork of all these different colors and it's got all these cracks and a few spots where there's holes where, you know, I smashed it a little too hard. Um, but it's, it's such a great visual reminder that that we're all broken and we all have all these different parts of us that you know some we're we're proud of some we're ashamed of but all of those pieces become who we are and and it's a beautiful useful thing like i've got stuff inside it my bowl holds things so it's useful it's got all these colors so it's pretty um but it's made up of all these broken pieces that that I don't have to be ashamed of, you know, that I can be proud of because they make a different piece of me. And, and hopefully that's a part of what people realize in the recovery process, you know, that it's not about being perfect. It's about embracing who you are and trying to be better and moving forward and picking up the pieces. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a powerful uh, tool your therapist did with you. That's awesome. She's wonderful. We had her on a few months ago, our first episode of 2022, in fact. And uh, yeah, she's great. I love her. So, um, and, and actually while we're on it, that's a huge part of the recovery process too, is finding someone that you can work with because it's not always the first person that you connect with in therapy that will, will be the one that, that works for you, you know? Oftentimes we end up with uh, treatment induced trauma where we're going looking for someone that's going to help us when, when our skin is crawling and we Mm. finally get the courage. We're finally out of the pre-contemplative state and we get the courage to say, okay, I need help. And then you end up with some asshole and, uh, and it's really unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. Or you end up in a program with a bunch of shysters and it's really Mm. unfortunate. And, you know, and it causes people to never want to get help again. Oh, I finally reached out to get help. And here I go again. Mm -hmm. Same old, same old thing. I can't trust. Mm. Uh, Do you you see a lot? Do you see a lot of people that, that are repeat, um, that have, have been in recovery before and are back again? Yeah. And that's the nature of the beast, right? right? It's a, it's a reoccurring brain disorder. And I think that's a part of 
we have to stop looking at recovery as this linear thing. It's not, you know, it, mm. this is a reoccurring brain disorder and people are using because of underlying issues that have to be resolved. Right. And, um, and so, yeah, we, we do see that a lot, but there are some components that I think change uh, a person's chances of, of, of less times, but everyone is so different and everyone's trauma or everyone's underlying issues are so different that some people may be able to get it the first time. And some people may need to do it nine or 10 times. One of the, mm -hmm. my favorite clients was 71 years old mm. and, um, and he got his shit together down in skid row at 71. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. To me that, that, you know, I know a lot of people look at that as a failure, but to me, I think that's a wonderful thing that, in fact, someone just posted on Facebook, um, you know, it's, it, I don't know, it was something like, you know, fell down seven times, got back up eight times or whatever, you know, mm. like we all fall down. It's just, it's not about the falling down. That's going to happen in all of life for everybody that happens. We have times when we fall down when things don't work out the way we want them to, or, you know, whatever, but you just got to get back up one more time. And as long as you keep trying and keep trying, that's, I think that's, what's important. It's, it's the most important. You're hundred percent right. It's not about how many times you fall. It's how many times you get back up. And it's I'm also sure. about the nuance and looking at situations in a nuanced way. That man was just not a 71 year old that, and, and this is an analogy for being able to look at everyone through this lens. That man was just not a 71 year old who wasted his life and then decided at 71 to get clean and sober. That was a man who grew up in the seventies and eighties in South central as a black man. Wow. And whose kids were, um, one of them died of stomach cancer when she was a baby. Oh. Uh, when she, the other one was shot and murdered in his <gasps> front, in the, in the front yard. Oh, um, right, my gosh. right in the beginning when the, when the Crips and Bloods were really at its, yeah. at its height. Um, oh. and so the man used to deal with the fact that both of his children were dead. Yeah. And, and there wasn't a lot of great psychiatry and, and, and psychologists in, in, uh, South central in the eighties, yeah, yeah. you know? Um, and so he ended up where so many people end up that don't have money. They end up mm. in jail to deal mm. with their mental health and their addiction issues. Oh, and I can't imagine that's a very effective place to do it. It's unfortunately not. Wow. So what's next for you? What do you, what do you see? Um, in your future? Well, probably once a month, I come home and tell my family to, that I'm, I'm quitting the industry and <laughs> going to sell RVs or motorhomes or something uh, or planes. Um, but I get my shit together and go back every Monday. Um, Good for you. So, you know, I want to expand services here. Mm-hmm. I want to expand services here in San Luis Obispo County, where I'm from. Mm -hmm. um, there is a, a great need of, of help up here and, um, and not a lot of care. And the, the problem, the fentanyl epidemic and mm. the, the teen mental health crisis is really, yeah. um, it's just inflamed in this County and there's really no services to help. And so, um, coming back to my my home base where my roots are and seeing if I can't make a difference here before we set sail on a new adventure and then awesome. uh, we're, 
We're doing a lot with From War to Peace again, uh, which is a... Yes. Tell everybody about that. I love the story behind it. Yeah. You know, my uncle started it in 2010. um, And it's a company where we recycle weapons and turn them into jewelry and then promote uh, a portion of the proceeds to various charities that mean something special to us. And that's how you and I actually... I think I reached out to you in the beginning uh, for, for more to peace. Maybe actually, I'm not sure. Maybe it was the Pacific solstice, our other, our other. I think it was Pacific solstice, but then we started talking about from more to peace. And then that was when you, um, I think you asked me to look through the collection and see what I thought would be a a good piece to represent the foundation. Yeah, that's right. And you found the blue wave and we changed that name to Bradley's wave. And that's just been such a cool piece for us to be able to promote Bradley's house and the Noel family foundation. Um, And kind of a full circle for me, um, just because I started at such a young age uh, with sublime and and it's, it's been a part of my life, a part of raising my children and my marriage and my, Mm. uh, everything and so um yeah it was really neat to be able to be back to a place of uh connection with sublime and in just such a different way absolutely in meeting you and 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 papa jim and jacob and everyone else mm. yeah and i really encourage everybody to go it's from more to peace.com right is the website yeah yeah. Yeah. From War to Peace. Go check it out. You've got a ton of great stuff. I, I always hit up that site when it's time for Christmas or for gifts for people. Um, my kids both have the Bradley's wave. We've got all kinds of stuff. Um, you just, you do such a great job with that. And I love knowing that, that That's these very are sweet, Kelly. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's just knowing that these things it, are, were something intended for destructiveness and, and now it's something beautiful. I think it's such a great analogy of of all of us, of us, our, our lives, or as people, you know. You know, Bradley's house was such a perfect partner in peace, as we call our collaborators. Mm. Um, similar to Homeboy Industries, which is another organization that we work with, and, and we make their their pendants and their jewelry. Oh my gosh! So, it's so all weird that you pod- mentioned that because somebody just told me about. Um, one of the guys who is a part of that and suggested that we have him on our show, Greg really Boyle, should. maybe. Okay. Oh. That's good to know. I'm sorry. I totally interrupted you. But when you said that, I'm like, what are the odds that you would mention Father that? Greg Boyle, I recommend you all read his book. I think it's called Tattoos from the Heart or Tattoos on the Heart. Um, but he is, he's a, He's a very, very special man. I've been, I've met him a couple of times and being around him in person and watching, watching the way that he carries himself and how he treats other people. Um, it's very special. It's something different. And you, you almost feel like you're, you're, uh, in the presence of someone like Mother Teresa, to be quite honest. But he, wow. he, he, uh, started Homeboy Industries. And would back in the seventies and eighties drive around on a bicycle and go up to the gang members on the streets and say, Hey, let's, what can we do to get you guys off the streets? And it eventually found out that the best way to help 
these folks was by providing them with jobs and his, their motto jobs, not jails took off. Nice. And, uh, for multiple decades, he's been down in Skid Row, right next to the county jail. And in fact, I used to run a program in LA County Jail, and uh, we would send people that got out right to Homeboy Industries, and they could go there and immediately sign up. They could get a job, they could get tattoo removal, so they could have the gang tattoos removed from their bodies, so they were no longer a target. Wow. And man, um, this really, talk about reducing recidivism mm-hmm. um oftentimes all of the opt all, all the therapy all of that comes second to giving someone a purpose and that's what right. happened and so yeah i recommend you guys check out homeboy industries nice so um, you anyway I, as i interrupted Greg you Boyle would be an amazing person to have on your, yeah yeah so you you guys um from war to peace has done some work with them also is that what you're saying we make their homeboy pendants out of our metal and all of our metal um, is from the recycled cabling of a U.S. missile system. And so, so, um, yeah, yeah. And that's what Bradley's wave is made out of also. Love that. Very cool. Well, I know Jarrett has a question for you that he always asks anybody who comes on that is a fan of sublime and I will. You're going to be no different. (laughs) <laughs> okay no pressure okay. but yeah no pressure but lots of pressure um <laughs> no it's it's no pressure at all we'll just all judge you um so <laughs> if, it, obviously brad was a, a big influence to you musically uh, as he was to a lot of our listeners so to get an idea of you know kind of where everybody's coming from in their fandom i always ask if you came across somebody who had never heard of sublime before and they were going to give you one opportunity to uh represent this band to to maybe hook them what one song would you play for them that is tough um hmm. you know a just because i'm sublime crazy uh, it would probably depend on the person but, mm. but it would definitely be something from 40 ounces or Robin the hood. Mm-hmm. Um, again, depending on the person, you know, I don't want to be, I, I got to say bad fish just because Good of one. the iconicness of it. You know, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's the, the most iconic song from that album I can think of. Um, and I think that that'd be the most palatable to get people in, you know, before we hit them with, with date rape or something. <laughs> That's the, a great answer. It is. It's a, it's a great answer. It's a, it's an absolute classic. And really it's just a, a fun, cheeky way for me to ask what's your favorite song. <laughs> you have to pick a that, favorite though. I would just say that I could put on 40 ounces of freedom and um, I'm a happy man. That whole album is it's hard to find a better a better album, I'll tell you. My top classic. top three best albums. Yeah. It's definitely one of those that's ones a, you can listen from start to finish. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a good that's a good question, Jared. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> he comes up with some good ones every once in a while. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Tom. I know you're a busy man. In fact, you're on vacation right now to celebrate your birthday. Thank you so much for taking the time with us and for sharing that with us. I know there's a lot of people who listen to the show 
that do struggle or have a loved one that struggles. So it's really helpful to have a point of view like yours and let people know that they're not alone, that they don't have to be ashamed and, and how to get back on the right track. So thank you for taking the time with us. Thank you for all that you do for the foundation. We truly, truly appreciate you. Yeah, it's uh, it's an absolute pleasure and it's been a wonderful journey being friends with you and your family and watching all that you guys do. Um, and I can't wait to see how Brad House grows and helps so many other people. Thank you. If, uh, if anyone that's listening out there needs any support, any support for mental health or addiction issues, you guys can call Aspire San Luis at 805-329-5595. That's 805-329-5595. And then, uh, yeah, check. If you want to check out the jewelry, go to FromWarToPeace.com. And if you mm-hmm. want to check out the music, you can search Pacific Coast High or the PCH Collective is the album name on uh, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, and everything else. Highly recommend that. Highly recommend that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Tom. Have a wonderful day. I appreciate you guys. Take See you at the next family reunion, Jarrett. Absolutely. I'll see you there, man. Thanks. Well, Kelly, once again, that didn't disappoint. I'll tell you, I have a lot of fun every time we record an episode of Bradley's House. But when we get an opportunity to meet somebody that I'm unfamiliar with and hear their story and just kind of get to meet them for the first time here on the show, uh, it's it's really a treat for me. And uh, and certainly this was no difference. What an amazing story. And then someone who's out there right now uh, really making a difference. It was it was really cool to hear. Absolutely. And like I said, Tom is a good friend. He's doing great things in the industry. He's got a good head on his shoulders. And it's just, it's such a privilege to see people like that. And it just kind of restores your faith because, you know, as Tommy even mentioned, there's a lot of shady people in this industry. And so to have somebody, um, you know, that can, that can just stand up and say, this is the way it should be. It really restores your faith in it. So always, always good to talk with people like that. And I think it's always a helpful reminder to all of us, um, you know, to, to seek out people like that because they do, they do exist. Absolutely. And he gave us some, uh, some amazing information on ways to get in contact with him and different things that he has going on. And Anna will include those links in the description of the show. So uh, make sure you check out everything that, uh, that Tom's got going on. Yes. Certainly, uh, certainly pretty awesome. Now, we've got a lot of stuff going on, Kelly. Some of it we can share. Some of it we're waiting to make announcements on. But what's going on with the Knoll Family Foundation coming up here? There's a lot of exciting stuff coming up. As you said, I can't really go into detail about everything until it's all finalized. But I am super excited about Cali Roots coming up next month, May 26th through 29th in Monterey, California, We did Cali Roots for the first time in 2019 and had a blast. Such a great group. They're so much fun to work with, the people that put it on. Of course, we've had Dan Sheehan on the show before and his wonderful wife, Amy. She does such a fantastic job. And they've got a great team, a great crew, and it's always a great vibe. Like everybody there is super stoked to be there and the music is great. Everything's so well run. I am super excited to go back. And this year it's going to be four days, which should be just fantastic. I'm pretty sure by the fourth day I'll be exhausted, <laughs> but um, actually probably by the first day I'll be exhausted, but I'm super I'm excited. Tired now. Yeah, I know. I'm tired just talking about it. I'm so excited to hear the music, to meet everybody. Uh, it's really going to be a great time. So I highly encourage anybody who hasn't yet to get your tickets for Cali Roots 
May 26th through 29th, and it's going to be a great time. Now, I just want to point out to everybody that uh, we'll be out there. We'll have the booth set up. We'll have T-shirts and hoodies and hats and pins and socks and all sorts of amazing uh, merchandise that uh, every penny goes directly towards the Knoll Family Foundation and getting Bradley's house up and open. Now, um, we're going to be out there for four days, guys, but I'm just throwing this out there for all of our loyal listeners and fans. If you guys come and buy all of our shit on day one, then we really have like three days to just kind of hang out and listen to the music. <laughs> so, um, you know, if you Love guys want to do idea. something, if you want to do something nice for Kelly, hit the booth hard day one <laughs> and uh and then we'll just spend the rest of the time listening to music and eating like french fries and chocolate covered bananas and stuff sounds good to me so go grab your tickets at californiarootsfestival.com and uh, we look forward to seeing you all there absolutely uh, and of course guys the reason why we put this podcast on is so we can go ahead and uh, let you guys know about all the things that are going on with the Knoll family foundation in our efforts to get bradley's house up and open make sure you're following social media the Knoll family foundation is everywhere you just go ahead and type it in your little search bar there uh you can visit our website uh, the knollfamilyfoundation.org or you can just go ahead and type it into your google machine and it'll get you right to us um and you <laughs> Did guys you can say google out. machine yeah, the Google machine. Just checking. Are people Go using on. their computers for other things? I'm just saying. Google machine. You sound yeah, like fired, an old man. Yeah, fire it into your Google machine and uh, <laughs> and it'll get you right to us. You'll find out everything that's going on. You guys can find out how you can pick up hats, T-shirts, and other awesome merch that uh, goes directly towards the foundation and getting Bradley's house up and open. Of course, our friends over at Law Records, you can find them at law-records.com. You can pick up your copy of the compilation album, The House That Bradley Built. Um, I don't know if there's any vinyl left at this point, but I know there was some so you guys should hop over on law records website and check it out for yourself um and of course kelly at the end of every podcast we like to leave our listeners with a little tune and it typically comes uh from an artist from law records and usually right off the compilation today will be no different kelly what's everybody going to be going out on today Today, from the compilation album, which, you know, is our favorite album, from the house that Bradley built, we have the incredible band OAR covering Bad Fish. Tom, this one's for you, man. You said it was your you said it was your jam, so we're rocking it out. Thanks for coming on the show. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, again, you can find everything right in the link tree in the description of the show. Until next time, I'm Jared Orr. She is Kelly Noel. We are out of time. You don't have to go home, but you got to get out of Bradley's house.